Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. Welcome to Accelerate, the official podcast of the Ignite Prophetic Network. I hope this audio equips and inspires you to move deeper into the prophetic with greater accuracy and greater passion. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here with you, Senior Leader of the Awakening House of Prayer Global Movement. Our headquarters are here in South Florida. Come on by, stop in and see us, pray with us. Our services are at 1047 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. Watch online at ahop.online. Uh, I'm the founder of the Ignite Prophetic Network, and don't forget, or should I say remember, do remember to get in on that morning prayer broadcast. It's heating up in there, 6 a.m. on Facebook, Periscope. You know the drill. I want to talk to you today about spiritual warfare. I promised you I'd come on as many times as I could this week to talk about spiritual warfare, and it's a real issue, and many people are absolutely losing their minds, but I, I must ask you a question. I must ask you a serious question. And I don't want you to get mad at me, all right? I, I, I want you to understand my heart in this question. I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. I've been where you are, most likely. You may have been where I am. Nobody's warfare is different. I mean, it's all relative. You know, some people can handle a lot of warfare and they don't flinch. Other people can only handle a little boo uh, from the enemy and they curl up in a ball under the bed. So... There is no, it's, it's relative to, to, to your understanding of your authority, to your spiritual warfare, how many past battles that you've won. It's all relative. Uh, but I must, I will be remiss if I did not ask you this question. And the question is, are you bringing your warfare on yourself? Oh my gosh, did I really say that? Did I suggest that it could be possible for you to bring your warfare on yourself? Many of you are going through spiritual warfare. And quite frankly, I see some of you out there on Facebook and I'm like, man, you just opened the door wide with that judgment. In this season, for example, judgment is boomeranging on people, snap, crackle, pop. I mean, when you release judgment, you're criticizing, condemning people, judging people. I am watching judgment and criticism in this season. Man, it's like in the ground, full-blown harvest, pop, just like that. In that way, you're bringing your warfare on yourself. Do you, do you follow me? Could you be bringing your warfare on yourself? I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart. And when he examines your heart, it's thorough. When we examine ourselves, sometimes we deceive ourselves. We don't see things in us that we see in other people. Have you ever noticed how easy it is for you to tell somebody else what they're doing wrong? They come to you there in warfare. And you're like Job's friends. You say, yeah, you know what? This is your issue. Well, when it comes to you, when it comes to me, sometimes we have this tendency to think that we've done no wrong, that it's all the devil's fault, that he had no right, he had no authority. But the problem is many times we are giving him rights. He has no rights legally, but we give him rights conditionally by our words, our actions. Don't get mad at me now. I'm trying to help you. For those of you that are just coming in, we're beginning to dive into this question of could you be bringing your warfare on yourself? Make sure you're sharing this. Make sure you tell me where you're logging in from. This is a real issue. 
You're like, oh, no, I don't, no, no, the devil's a liar. Is it really the devil who initiated this or did you initiate your warfare? Uh, Come on, I want to be really honest with you. I have at times brought warfare upon myself through my words. One of the quickest ways to allow the enemy entrance into your life, right here. We need to be like Isaiah. And, and allow that angel from the throne room of heaven who has taken that that coal of fire and it, it you know he dipped it on the in the fire on the altar he, we need to l- allow the, the the lord that angel of the lord to cleanse our mouths that is one of the biggest ways you're bringing warfare on yourself the bible says how amos 3 3 how can two walk together unless they are agreed. How can two walk together unless they are agreed? You are agreeing with your words, not just with your mind. And so when you agree with what the enemy, the vain imagination, the enemy releases at your mind, when you agree with that, you begin to walk down the enemy's path that he has ordained for you. See, the Bible says the Lord orders our steps, but the enemy can sometimes reorder them through our verbal agreement with what it is that he's trying to tempt us into or trying to convince us of the lie, the vain imagination. Are you following me? Do you get it? That's just one area. And we could talk all day about that. But since we don't have all day, I want to show you a few other ways that you could be releasing warfare against yourself. And, and really, it comes down to disobedience at some level. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. I talk a lot more. Actually, these things I'm telling you are not in the tactical warfare course, but I am doing like 20 hours of teaching on spiritual warfare beyond what I'm teaching you here. Tactics, strategies to help you dig out of a hole that you may have found yourself in because of your own action or because of a blind side or because of, eh, 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 you know, the psycho who stabbed you in the back. There's all kinds of reasons why we find ourselves in spiritual warfare. A lot of times it's not our fault. Sometimes it is. A lot of times it is our fault. Sometimes it's not. But you can take that tactical warfare class at schoolofthespirit.tv. The URL is on the bottom of the screen. 20 hours of teaching. Uh, it is there for you. It starts Friday. But why do we bring warfare at ourselves? What is another reason? It, it really does. At the end of the day, it comes down to some measure of disobedience. Now, that might look different ways. Words is one way. Words is not the only way. One of the ways we saw in the Bible, for example, do you remember in uh, it was uh, 2 Samuel 24, 2 Samuel 24, and David, I don't know what got into him, you know, bless the Lord, David was a man after God's own heart. He made some big mistakes. Aren't you glad? I mean, I'm not glad he made the mistakes, but I'm glad that he recovered from them and he has his life chronicled in the pages of the Bible, because if we had just, listen to me, if we had just seen only David's victories, we would probably feel like schmucks. If we had only seen David's victories and we didn't see the other side of his life, we would feel like less than, like not good enough. But we see that David, listen, David was a mighty, mighty warrior. The Bible chronicles his battles and David never lost a battle, not one time. There's no one else in scripture that never lost, no, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, they're, they're wrestling demons. It's different, but we see actual warfare in the Old Testament. There's no one else in the Bible who'd never lost a battle. The only ever one is God himself. 
God himself. God never loses. And so that's why we need to stay on the side of the Lord. Well, God is with us. God is for us. God is for us. And God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. But many times we say, well, God is on my side. Well, God is on your side. Technically, he is on your side. He's for you, not against you, for sure. But remember when Joshua saw the pre-incarnate Christ standing there and he fell to his feet, he said, are you for us or against us? He's with the pre-incarnate Christ. He said, neither you get on my side, Joshua. This was the, the pre-incarnate Christ. And he fell to his, to his, he took his shoes off. It's a holy ground. And so we have to understand we've got to get on God's side. Okay. We've got to get on God's side. We can't just expect him to get on our side when we're not on his side. What do you mean? We're not on his side. Well, when we are not obedient to him, when we disobey his commands, we're no longer standing on his side. We're standing on the side of our flesh. Am I making any sense out there? Am I making any sense out there? Now, God, his grace is wide. Believe me, if we felt the full bore of enemy attack based on every little mistake that we made, we wouldn't survive. So God, listen, God protects us from so much of the warfare that we actually do bring upon ourselves because it's great because we're sin abounds, grace more abounds right? But that's not a license to sin. And so when you find yourself in warfare, you've got to ask yourself, did this come upon me because of something that I did, something that I said? David, bless his heart, man, he's a mighty warrior, but he brought massive warfare on himself. Guess what? And other people. People lost their lives. It wasn't the first time that people lost their lives because of decisions David made. Remember that one time when he was running from Saul? And he went to the priest and they ate the showbread. And, uh, you know, that caused issues. Another time he pretended like he was, he, he just, he, ha, he did things that caused other people trouble. But he was a good man. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. But he took the census, the C-N-S-U-S, the census, 2 Samuel 24, verse 1. Once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. So the king of Joab, the king said to Joab and the commanders of the army, take a census of all the tribes of Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. So I may know how many people there are. Listen to this. But Joab replied to the king, may the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now. But why, my Lord, the king, do you want to do this? But the king insisted that they take the census. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out to count the people of Israel. First, they crossed the Jordan and they camped out at Aror, south of the town in the valley, in the direction of Gad. Then they went to Jazer, then to Gilead, in the land of Tatham Hodeshai, and to the Dan Jan and around the Sidon. Then they came to the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Finally, they went down to Judah as far as Bathsheba, having gone through the entire land for nine months and 20 days. They returned to Jerusalem. Joab reported the number of the people to the king. There were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500,000 in Judah. Now listen to this. Verse 10. But after he had taken the census. David's conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. The next morning, somebody say the next morning. 
The next morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, who was David's seer. And this was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these three punishments and I will inflict it upon you. So Gad came to David and asked him, will you choose three years of famine throughout your land, three months of fleeing from your enemies or three days of severe plague throughout your land? Think this over and decide what answer I should give to the Lord who sent me. Now, here's the thing. This warfare came on David and the people of Israel because he made a foolish decision. He brought this warfare on himself. So if David, the mighty man of valor, who led the mighty men, if he could bring warfare on himself, the man after God's own heart, who are we to think that we might not be at least partially responsible for the warfare that we find ourselves in? Now, I want to balance this. I want to balance this and say that the devil doesn't fight fair. And a lot of the warfare we get is not because of anything we've done. But you've got to at least ask when you get in the middle of the drama, the emotional terrorism of the devil. You have to be responsible and ask, Lord, did I bring this on myself? See, David's conscience convicted him. That is how closely he walked with the Lord. The Holy Spirit didn't even have to convict him. His conscience convicted him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so... Sometimes when we get it, this is what I do. When I get in warfare, I'm like, God, did I, did I open a door? Because if I open a door, I can shut it with repentance. And that is the quickest way to win a battle, right? I mean, you can repent, then you've got your, your authority. It, it, it renewed me a right spirit, created me a clean heart, David said. Created me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit, David said. And so once you do that, you, you're fully aware of what you've done. You've repented. You can go pop, pop, pop and just take the devil out. It's when you don't know what's going on that it's harder. And so we have to be able to examine our hearts, examine ourselves, like the Bible says, and begin to uh, go forward. Let me back up here for just one second. Somebody said, didn't, didn't the Lord tell David to do the census? Yes, but he was testing God's heart the same way he was testing Balaam's heart. When he, when he told Balaam, go ahead and go, go ahead and go with the king, go ahead and, and go. And then later the Lord got mad at him because he was just testing him. It would be like as if Abraham uh, didn't take Isaac to be sacrificed, even though the Lord did. He didn't really plan to sacrifice him. But if he hadn't gone, he would have been disobedient. There was a law in the statutes of Israel that said you do not take a census. And the reason why is because when you take a census, you are leaning on the arm of flesh. You're not trusting the Lord. That was the Lord's command. And so, you know, we have to obey what the Lord says. And he was, it was almost like he was testing David's heart and David knew, but see, David had gotten, you know, into that. So let's move on here to Joshua nine. How much time do I have? I want to remind you guys before I forget of the tactical warfare class, which starts on Friday. This is not the stuff I'm teaching. I'm teaching other stuff, tactics for warfare. That is 75% off. There's a price for it costs a lot to produce it hours upon hours to put this together for you uh, from several people that is at school of the TV. And you can go there and get that right now for 75% off. Once it starts, that sale is over. I really want everybody to get in on this. I really do. Uh, this is tremendous. I've took me 20 years to learn all this stuff and I want to give it to you in 20 hours with a teaching condensed with stories and everything else. You can bring your warfare on yourself. It's possible. How do we know that? How do we know that? Well, we see also in Joshua, Joshua and the Gibeonites. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Joshua 9, verse 1. 
Mm, let me see. Joshua 9, verse 1. Now, when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, what things? That Israel was just stomping on the enemies. The kings of the hill country and the western foothills along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far as Lebanon came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. Listen, however, verse 3. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they decimated them. They resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and they wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Are you catching this? Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. And the Israelites said to the Hivites, perhaps you live near us. So how can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua said, who are you and where do you come from? And they talked about how they came from a mighty long way and they packed all their bread and it was moldy and their clothes were worn out. I mean, they really put on a show. And then here in verse 14, the Bible says the Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. So they looked with their natural eyes to try to, they looked with their natural eyes to try to discern if the truth was being told, but they did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. Three days later, haha. <laughs> Sometimes I'm telling you, this is what's happening in this season. Stuff is boomeranging fast. Wrong decisions are coming back to haunt people fast. We've got to tighten it up. Somebody say, tighten it up. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came into their cities, Gibeon, Kephira, the Roth, and Kiriath, and Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack them because their leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, their God of Israel. Now, what essentially happened after that was that the Gibeonites found themselves under attack. And because they'd made an oath, because they'd made a covenant, Israel had to go fight a war that wasn't theirs. Are you, are you following me? Israel had to go fight a war that wasn't theirs. It wasn't as if they didn't have enough ites to evict from the promised land. It wasn't as if they didn't have enough warfare. It wasn't as if they didn't have anything else better to do. But because they did not inquire of the Lord, because they'd used their natural eyes instead of their spiritual discernment, because they entered into a covenant too quickly. Are you getting this? Because they entered into a covenant that the Lord had not ordained, they were in warfare. So yes, you can bring warfare on yourself. And I can give you other examples, but I've given you two. And the Bible says by two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we'll stop there because I want to begin to answer a few of your questions. I'm going to I have to go pretty soon in order to uh, get to uh, the life group, which starts at 630. But you have to understand, you can bring warfare on yourself. You can. It's possible. And so I want you to be one that examines yourself. God bless you. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning with a prayer call right here, whatever platform you're watching. I'll see you then. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want more information on Ignite, including the Company of Sears, 
the lighthouses, the company of scribes, and everything we have to offer, visit ignitenow.org. That's ignitenow.org. You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.